Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series with Kimmel, where we add value to people's lives, happening every Monday, Wednesday and Thursday on Eber's Radio at 12 o'clock. You can catch the Lunchtime Series on all major podcast channels now. And uh, for our Lunchtime Marketing segment, proudly supported by Hollard Insurance, hashtag big ads for small businesses. As per usual, joining us, uh, marketing and communications expert, Craig Pagely. How are you doing, Craig? Um, well, and you, Kevin, great to be chatting again. Yeah. Yeah, like we just uh, we were just chatting now about uh, how many shows we've done. <laughs> we're on how many now? 30, 30, 30, 39 consecutive weeks. Sure. That's, uh, I'm sure that a lot of shows don't get to go through all that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I look forward to the Magic 50. And, and I was just thinking uh, um, during the course of last week is, you know, what happens over the Christmas period, where the pauses are, people go and, you know, on, on leave and annual annual holidays, particularly in South Africa, and how do we structure the show during that period, and then what our what our 50th date may be. So we sort of, you know, get to that half century with, with uh, no interference, we make sure we achieve it. Yeah, and and we and we and we and we get someone really spectacular to be on the show. We'll like think of like a president or someone or I don't know something. Yeah, a, a Richard Branson or something Richard like that. Branson, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Great. Uh, last week we covered the topic of South Africa's most valuable brands, and we we learned that F and B retained its position at uh, number one from the previous year. And that Nando's is only the only fast food brand uh, in the top thirty ranking. What else can you share with us, uh, with the listeners, as takeaways from uh, our last conversation? Yeah, Kevin. Thanks. So I just want to remind the listeners that we reviewed Cantar Brand Z's twenty twenty one most valuable South African brands report last week, um, and we did learn some really great points from the insights uh, shared in in the report. So to start off with, let's take a quick look at the rankings. And then I want to address the key points as, as, and, and these particular key points will be around the methodology and what we learned from that. So first, let's let's tackle the rankings. So the, the total value of the top 30 most valuable brands in South Africa was 28.8 billion US dollars. Now, interestingly, I looked at the, the Global 100 ranking yesterday, also produced by by Cantor uh, Kevin, and I think it was American Express alone came in at 27 or 28 billion US dollars. And that was quite interesting to see. And they were just a little blip on, on the, the radar of the top global 100. So, yeah. Anyway, so, so there was a 3% drop in value of the top 30 brands between 2021. And obviously, COVID did play a big part of that. There was some political intervention outside, which had, had some, some negative effects. But COVID definitely, you know, scraping value of every single market around the world. Um, the top 10 most valuable brands collectively came in at 18.7 billion US dollars or 65% of, of the total top 30, Kevin. Um, the top 10, I'll quickly run through that. First was, as you mentioned, First National Bank. Uh, then we had Vodacom at number two, Castle number three, obviously in the Elko section, uh, Standard Bank, the second bank uh, financial services category at number four, MTN, the second telco provider at number five, and as you mentioned earlier, Nando's coming at number six, the only fast food brand sitting in, in the top 30. Discovery coming at number seven from the insurance side. DSTV, obviously expected them to be up there, coming in at media and entertainment, number eight. 
APSA, the third bank, coming in at number nine, and Woolworths, the retailer, coming in at number 10. Big, big jump up for them because of, of their, their ability to work into the e-com space and, uh, you know, just shape their business to, to really be COVID-oriented. Uh, so now that we address those rankings, Kevin, I want to look at the insights that actually inform how the rankings are, are established as these are really important for, for, for our marketers to, to, to learn from. So the ranking is looked at, at the elements of growth in brand, and these are defined as meaning, salience, and differentiation or uniqueness of a brand. The report also identified a, a new metric, the four fundamentals, and these four fundamentals accounted for 70% of brand equity, Kevin, and the fundamentals are descri described as experience, functionality, convenience, and exposure. So let's look at the terms so, so that we have some context of the role they play in the brand evaluation metric. So the first is meaning. And it's about meeting people's needs in a way that creates affinity with the brand. And, and affinity is obviously a natural liking for an understanding of someone or something. The second is salience, which is about uh, being important in the lives of consumers and not just being allowed brand. It actually has some value and seen as fulfilling a particular need and, and it builds a much deeper connection with the brand. Uh, the third is, is difference or uniqueness and it's about how your brand is set apart from the competition and it's by associating superior performance aspects of your brands or with uh, multiple customer benefits, Kevin. Moving on to the four fundamentals uh, of, of the brand structure analysis, I really like this component of, of the evaluation. Starting with experience, we, we see that strong brands provide superior experience across all consumer touch points, uh, whether the pre, during, post, whether the online, offline conversation, they, they're really providing superior experience. Next is functionality, and this is offering a product or service that is, is really seen to be well designed with a suitable range of options, and they innovate, in, in, in essence, they innovate to maintain value in, in the client's lives and often exist around an ecosystem. Next is convenience. Um, convenience is, is consumer-led and it's essentially for brands that seem to fit seamlessly into the everyday lives of, of our consumers. And the final fundamental there is exposure, which is quite an important part here. So strong brands create great advertising with memorable icons and messages. And I remember we spoke about the likes of Nike's Just Do It. And then, you know, from an element point of view, McDonald's uh, big uh, yellow golden arch is easy to remember. It's also worth noting, uh, based on those metrics, Kevin, um, the top brand for experience was Netcare. We'll think very much around the, the COVID influence. Top brand for exposure was Vodacom. Definitely a COVID influence. There was a great app partnership with Discovery Health. Uh, the top brand for function was, was FNB. A lot of digital innovation coming out of the bank over a prolonged period of time, but, but very much working in, in the face of COVID, bringing more of that digital experience into, into the proposition. The top brand for convenience was, was a surprise for me, and it was good to see there was Clicks, which provided great convenient access to affordable healthcare, particularly during the, the challenges of COVID. And then the top brand for meaningful difference, important metric, is Capitec, which is, is most meaningfully different and tops the table for both value and difference-driven proposition, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, thanks for that, Craig. Um, uh, what's still... Uh, you know, quite interesting to me is to consider what those brands are 
for South Africans. And, uh, yeah, you know, we look at money, alcohol, and uh, food. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there to look at? <laughs> Sorry, wine, woman, and song. <laughs> interesting, interesting country we live in, right? But, um, yeah, yeah. Craig, so moving on from those insights, what are we, uh, we going to chat about today? Kevin, yeah, I wanted to take a deeper look at, at the multiple brand ranking reports that are circulating in the industry at the moment, but um, still working to try and get a broader guest speaker uh, um, representation because they're, they're quite different reports and it would be really great to have the representatives of those reports in South Africa present on the show. So whilst putting that in place, I thought, let's actually have a look at the topic of AI and, and what the possible implications are on business people and advertising. That's uh, that's great. Uh, that's great, Craig. Because uh, I'm quite intrigued with the, the concept of AI, and often asked uh, the impact is going to have an organisation when delivering uh, leadership coaching, for example. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to hearing more about this. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm sure I'd be quite intrigued to hear some of the questions you get from from leadership around the topic. So we must you know, expand that conversation in person one day. But yeah, as usual, I, I want to start by investigating the definition of AI so that we have some context to what the term means, because it is, is, is used in different instances and has different applications or scenarios, Kevin. So this was a, it, it was a, a wonderful period of time just trawling through the web because there's a hell of a lot of information on AI. So I just picked up on a few snippets from Wiki, from Oxford Dictionary, and one or two other really core, core portals. So artificial intelligence or AI is defined as the intelligence demonstrated by machines as opposed to the natural intelligence displayed by animals, including humans. Another definition would be AI is the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks normally requiring human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and translation between languages. And I think that's probably one of the key definitions in, in what we're going to discuss today. Artificial intelligence is the simulation of human intelligence processes by machines, especially computer systems. Specific applications of AI include expert systems, uh, NLP, your natural language processing, speech recognition, and, and machine uh, vision. So we, we see the definitions go quite a bit deeper from AI into machine learning, as we mentioned there, and then into deep learning. So there's a really great chart from Intel Corporation, Kevin, which reveals the following. If you look at it, the three concentric rings, the, the outer ring being uh, AI as the umbrella for machine capable of perception, logic, and learning, the next inner ring would be machine learning, which employs the algorithms and learning from the data on the outside to make predictions or decisions and whose performance improves when exposed to more data. And then the innermost uh, uh, ring, obviously that's, that's where the, the, the word deep comes from, deep learning uses mainly layered neural networks to build those algorithms that find the best way to perform tasks on their own based on, on sets of data. And deep learning can't exist without the understanding of machine learning, which in turn can't exist without the application of, of AI in principle. But it's also defined as, as being responsive, decisive, and adaptive and independent, Kevin. So let me let me give you a context to those four four terms. And and I really enjoyed learning learning about this. So responsive AI can engage in interactions from humans or other machines and interpret meaning and formulate appropriate responses. 
Decisive AI can interpret supplied information and take appropriate action to achieve its mandated goals moving forward. Adaptive AI can actually internalize the information and adjust its behavior accordingly to maximize its effectiveness. And independent AI can conduct most of its decision-making processes actually without the need of human input. Yeah. So as we can see, not a singular dimension, nor is it a linear process, Kevin. Um, it's, it's, it's a collective of, of all of these concepts and, and they're constantly evolving and, and improving as, as, as we throw more data at, at, at this particular proposition. Craig, so what's interesting is, is generally when we are discussing AI, um, you know, when it comes to human beings and what will that mean to, for human intervention and how would that, how would we even, uh, you know, what would the future hold? As a general rule, you know, from a human's perspective, we always aim at keeping, keeping ourselves safe, right? So, yeah, the movies are always giving us the worst case scenario, like the worst possible thing that could be happening. Um, but I think, you know, the, the more we talk about it and the more we start uh, investigating, you know, the potential possibility of what AI could actually do, I think it's starting to slowly carve out a, a far more or greater awareness around how AI could actually assist us doing what we do far better than we do. Yeah, yeah. But going back to the first point you make, Kevin, you know, absolutely. And, 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 and I've used this term with you before, the, the whole policing and regulatory environment around the likes of AI and machine learning is, 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 a, is essentially core to ensuring that it only delivers to what it needs to for the goodness of, 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 of human beings. So there's AI for good as well, which is an important piece. And it's, it's how AI is used to deliver good to, to the universe and to people. So, yeah, there, there obviously is a, a whole realm of, of law that will expand as a new discipline relative to mandating, managing, and monitoring AI. Now, interestingly, on the flip side of law, there's a lot of law processes and procedures that will actually be taken over by AI and machine learning and eliminate the need for, for you know, manpower behind that. So interesting evolution, as you say, but definitely um, it has hugely positive impact. And, and there's a particular article I'm going to address later on in our conversation that, that just talks about the phenomenal impact that it does actually have on us, but regulatory and monitoring is an important piece. So, I mean, on that point, Craig, so advantages, what, what are the advantages of AI? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so as with most yeah, applications, platforms, technology, Kevin, they're obviously great advantages. Um, but yes, they're definitely disadvantages. And, and predominantly, disadvantages are obviously spoken about as a result of, of insufficient understanding of these new concepts in question. And, you know, the more time, and as I say, the, the, the more data that goes into the process, the better the understanding, the better the, the long-term impact of, of what AR can do for us. So let's just take a quick look at these. So from an advantage point of view, AI is absolutely good at detail-oriented jobs, okay? It can reduce time for the data-heavy tasks, and it can actually take data and very quickly turn it around into some actionable information. And, and that, that is much faster than any human intervention, genuinely. It also delivers consistent results, which, which is something that's, that's vitally important when you're working with 
quality content output. And and AI-powered virtual agents are always available, and you just see more and more of the chatbots uh, being implemented these days. And obviously, the more the learning and machine learning, the better the chatbot conversation becomes as well. So that's the whole issue around you know your natural language processing, then getting into the natural language understanding, and then coming out of that, you'd have you have your 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 natural language generation, and that I think is when the purity of that is in place, your chatbot is really going to actually have the conversation for you un, unattended and unaided. Yeah. From a disadvantage point of view, Kevin, it's an expensive aspect to process because of the large amounts of data that that AI programming uh, requires. And I think again, many organisations still don't understand the net value of the data that they have in their organizations and repositories. And it's about how to work that information, augment that data, and then be able to put it in a sensible way to actually drive positive AI outcomes. It also requires deep technical expertise with with very much a limited uh, supply of quality uh, workers available at the moment. But again, it's it's an industry area that, that you'll definitely see a lot more skills evolve over time. And AI only knows what it's been shown. So it lacks the ability to generalize from one task to the next, hence the need for more data, more input, more more evolving so the algorithms can build in the back end to become more, more uh, self-supporting. So, it, it can also be categorized as weak AI or, or strong AI. And, and weak or narrow AI is very much the point we've just spoken about, where it's a system that's just designed and trained to complete specific tasks like those deployed in industrial robots or our virtual personal assistants, such, such as Apple or Siri, please search for this, do for that. Um, you know, Lex as well, let's, let's not forget Amazon in, in this equation. Whereas strong AI is also known as artificial general intelligence, AGI, and it describes programming that can actually replicate the cognitive abilities of the human brain. And that's where we're going through into, into NLGs where, where we're actually getting some of the natural language generated from, from, from AI. So when presented with an unfamiliar task, a strong AI system can actually use fuzzy logic, which is degrees of truth, to apply knowledge from one domain to another and actually find a solution. But again, it's about the volume of content and information that's put into the system. I find that interesting because, you know, just from a human beings perspective or human brains perspective we uh, delete just distort and generalize information and you know we look at cognitive bias for example you know when you when you consider the amount of uh, questions the amount of um, reasoning that we go through as as humans it'd be interesting to see you know with time to come if if by inputting enough data uh, into AI, would would they be able to do the same kind of um, formulating of answers and finding solutions kind of thing? That's that's a really good point because you know you've got your human to machine and your machine to human in, interactions, and and again, it's it, it all starts at the NLP level, as you well know, moving into your 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 natural language and understanding, and and again, it's about what are the content sets that are fed into the system. And, and how is the interpretation of that managed, guided through, through more data and influence? It, 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 it's something that takes a long period of time as, as we've just covered off there. But um, I think there, there will be a point in time where AI will be able to ask, answer very complex questions asked of the system. Because uh, Craig, we look at Facebook and Mr. Facebook's um... 
latest yeah, being in the news and um, someone exposing <laughs> uh, about Instagram and uh, so you know the scary part of it is if it, part of part of what we recognize is that you know it, the data that we're putting into a system gives us a set of results and information you kind of go okay but what if you're giving skewed information what if you're giving kind of information that you want uh, the robot to kind of tend towards uh, because we know um, we have old Mark Zuckerberg that's proved to the world that with enough skewed information, you can direct human behavior. You know, so there will have to be laws in place that that really. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, you're absolutely right. Be, be, because one of the one of the advantages of AI and how it's used in in the marketing industry is is through content generation, through keyword analysis, through optimizing social content, and actually getting to a point of engaging consumers in authentic conversations. And when when you're in that conversation space, that is where the the predictive machine kicks in for marketing Facebook ads, Insta ads, Google ads. And and you're absolutely right. So it's it's again, you know, what is the moderation aspect of how much of the input is actually fake news and and unmoderated, etc. Because very much going through that content generation, authentic conversations with with consumers, how authentic are they? You know, very very good point. Yeah. Because the the ads are being pushed on the back of that, and 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 brands are buying audience on the back of that as well. So yeah, very very good point you make there. Because I mean that that's, that leads to the next question. So, what impact is AI having on society at large? Yeah, <laughs> again, I read through numerous articles. There's one article that that really stood out for me, Kevin. So it's titled "What Is the Impact of Artificial Intelligence on Society," and written by Bernard Ma, published to the bernardmar.com site. And yeah, just to set some context here, yeah, Bernard Ma is, is a world-renowned futurist, Kevin. He's an influencer and thought leader in the fields of business and technology, and he has a passion for using technology, take notes, for, for, for the good of, of humanity, okay? Bernard is, is also a best-selling author of 20 books, and he writes a regular column for Forbes. He advises and coaches many of the world's best-known organizations. Um, and a really impressive accolade is, is that Bernard has over 2 million social media followers, 1 million news uh, letter subscribers, and is ranked by LinkedIn as one of the top five business influencers in the world and the number one influencer in the UK. So, you know, you'd, you'd understand why I found the content quite, quite interesting here because Bernard really talks with absolute truth and understanding of the depth of this particular topic. So I want to open with, with um, one, one of the direct quotes of the article. As with most changes in life, there will be positive and negative impacts on society as artificial intelligence continues to transform the world we live in. How that will balance out is anyone's guess and up for much debate and for many people to contemplate. As an optimist at heart, I believe the challenge will be mostly good, but could be challenging for some. Here are some of the challenges that might be faced, and we should be thinking about how to address them now, as well as several of the positive impacts artificial intelligence will have on society. And he goes on to list the, the challenges as, as, as follows, Kevin. AI will result in the evolution of the workforce, and, and this is what you and I have just spoken about, you know, what, what is the impact? So, 
According to PwC, 7 million existing jobs will be replaced by AI in the UK alone, Kevin, from 2017 to 2037. But interestingly, 7.2 million jobs will be created. And there's some uncertainty on, you know, as to the changes on what those jobs will look like because there needs to be new learning and new skill sets implemented to ensure that the 7 million are you know, fitting into the 7.2 new opportunities. The transformation aspect of AI and society will have far-reaching economic, legal, political, and regulatory implications. And two examples here is, you know, who's at fault if an autonomous car drives into a pedestrian? And how do we manage the global autonomous arms race? Forget about the, the slur of content and commentary that we spoke about in the likes of Facebook and not moderated by Zucker and his, Zuckerberg and his cronies. What about the, the likes of autonomous arms race, a, a major concern in that regard? Will machines become super intelligent and will humans eventually lose control? Probably one of the biggest questions that, that mankind has. So while there'll always be unforeseen consequences when, when new technology is introduced, the unintended outcomes will inevitably change us all. And therefore, it's that regulatory aspect that I talk about. It is important to ensure that AI doesn't become so proficient at doing the job it was designed to do that it crosses over into the uh, ethical and legal boundaries. And that talks directly to the point that you raised. AI was originally intended to benefit humanity. If it chooses to go achieving the desired goal in a destructive yet efficient way, it would negatively impact society. Um, algorithms must be built to align with the overarching goals of humans. Um, yeah. Artificial intelligence algorithms are powered by data, and as more and more data is collected throughout the day, our privacy does get compromised. So if businesses and governments decide to make decisions based on the intelligence that they gather about you, um, it could uh, it, yeah, devolve in, in social oppression. So we've got to be very careful of that. So again, another point that I really liked about the, the article, Kevin, is, is, is reference to the positive impacts that it'll have on society. And yeah, he talks about artificial intelligence being able to improve the efficiencies of our workplaces and augmenting the work humans can do. So AI can take over representative, uh, 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 repetitive or dangerous work, and it can free up humans from, from this particular work where they are not well equipped. Um, it also looks at tasks that involve, cre it lacks, I should say, tasks that, that, that include creativity and empathy. And for me, this, I genuinely believe, is probably the one area where we're not going to see AI take over. There, there, there is something still humanly important in creativity and empathy. When better monitoring, uh, and, and with better monitoring and diagnostics, AI can influence healthcare by improving the operations of healthcare facilities and medical organizations. AI can reduce operating costs and, and saving money. With one estimate from McKinsey, Kevin, predicting uh, for medicine and pharma, total saving of up to 100 billion an annually just by having AI intervene in, in the healthcare environment. Society will gain countless hours of productivity with just the introduction of autonomous transport and AI influencing traffic congestion issues. What that productivity generates at the end of the day will be quite an interesting uh, conversation as well. 
Um, and the way we uncover criminal activity and solve crimes will definitely be enhanced with AI, um, the likes of facial recognition technology really becoming as, as common as, as fingerprints and a key component in, in, in crime prevention. And the use of AI in the justice system will also present opportunities to figure out how to effectively use technology without crossing an individual's privacy. So, so to close off on, on, on that question, Kevin, is, yeah, I'd like to quote again another really great paragraph that says, unless you choose to live remotely and never plan to interact with the modern world, your life will be significantly impacted by artificial intelligence. While there will be many learning experiences and challenges to be faced as the technology rolls out its new applications, the expectation will be that artificial intelligence will generally have a more positive than negative impact on society. And I, I generally do believe in that statement, Kevin. Yeah, for me as well. You know, I... Uh... I suppose I'm a, a, an eager, optimistic, kind of forward-looking kind of person, um, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't seek to see the the, the problems first. <laughs> I always like, yeah, okay, so um, you know, how, how what, what what is the benefits that we're going to be having from this, and how, and how could we live from it, learn from it, and use it, and um, and grow with it? You know, I I think the the fact that we we're we're saying those jobs will be replaced. Seven million jobs will be replaced. Um, perhaps half of those jobs are really menial, and you know they they don't afford people a life to to recognize themselves, to be more self-aware, to take time out to be healthier. You know, you, you think of the fast food kind of craze based on the fact that we work remotely and we're doing everything remotely, and we're caught up in this rat race, and you're kind of going. Well, what if AI could stand here making you a really healthy meal? Okay, look, that's not a bad thing. It's like it's helping your life. It, there's so much that you could benefit from this. And it is happening already. There, there are robots that are flipping burgers and burger joints. There are robots that oh. are making salads. There are robots that are actually bringing the trays to your table as well. So, you know, that reality is in place. The question then is, what what are the activities that, that the world will allow with another 7.2 million workers who've been, you know, replaced by AI? What what are the skill sets required to ensure that they're not just in another menial role, but they actually do bring purpose back to their lives as as you mentioned? Yeah. And what if what if we have robots doing all of the stuff so we can sit and learn and 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 educate ourselves more readily so that we are part and parcel of that future. You know, I'm like, I think there's so much to it. I think there's so much more that we don't even know yet. But, 100%. Craig, so while we know now know what the, the impact of uh, AI and machine learning has on organizations and society at large, what impact will it have on communication and advertising, the advertising industry? Yeah, Kevin, this is probably one of the big questions that the industry is is, is trying to grapple with and trying to understand what the final impact will be, uh, whether yeah, negative on one side by, by possibly reducing the number of staff in agencies or in the industry to positive on, on, on the other side by actually being able to help deliver a lot more personalization at scale across all digital channels and help brand growth and, and, and things like that. Um, so referencing an, another great article uh, published by Louis Columbus on Forbes.com um, on the 21st of February this year, so quite a current article. His article is titled 10 Ways That AI and Machine Learning Are Improving 
marketing for 2021. And we're exposed to a number of the concepts and thoughts on, on what the impact of the industry will be. So, you know, I want to open with quite an interesting uh, uh, paragraph from, from the article. Chief marketing officers and the marketing teams that lead are expected to excel at creating customer trust, a brand that, that, that exudes empathy, data-driven strategies that results, and personalizing channel experiences at scale work when CMOs construct the perfect balance between their jobs, emotional and logical data-driven parts, all influenced by you know, creating customer trust, the brands that exudes empathy and the data-driven strategies that deliver results. So AI and machine learning tools definitely help the marketing teams test, learn, and excel iteratively to create those empathetic brands and deliver the results that, that are achieved. So you can see the direct impact that AI can have on, on marketing. So it, the, the article shares another three interesting uh, insights, Kevin, as a prelude to, to the 10 ways that, that uh, machine learning are improving uh, marketing in 2021. And this is what we learned. AI and machine learning is on track to generate between 1.4 trillion and 2.6 trillion US dollars in value by solving marketing and sales problems over the next three years, according to McKinsey Global Institute. Wow. Marketers' use of AI soared between 2018 and 2020, jumping from 29% uh, application in 2018 to 84% in 2020. Um, that, that according to Salesforce Research's most recent state of marketing study. And finally, AI, machine learning, marketing and advertising technologies, voice chat and digital assistance, and mobile tech and apps are the five key technologies that will have the greatest impact on the future of marketing, according to Drift's 2020 Marketing Leadership Benchmark Report. Fascinating, Greg. Greg, so um, what, are the, what are the 10 points that you can take away from the article's reference today? Okay, so Kevin, the 10 points are a collection of findings from various sources um, that, that were, were compiled and published in, in Louis Columbus's uh, article and they reveal the following. Point one, 70% of high-performance marketing teams claim they have fully defined AI strategy versus only 35% of underperforming peer marketing teams. So that's, that's really interesting to see 70%. It's quite a high spectrum. Point yeah. two is that 36% of marketers predicted AI will have significant impact on marketing performance this year. Absolutely, we'd expect that. With 32% of marketers and agency professionals using AI to create ads, including digital banners, social media posts, digital out-of-home ads, um, according to a recent study by, by Advertiser Perception. So, you know, over a third of the market's already utilizing the platform to, to deliver marketing and advertising. Point three is high-performing marketing teams on average use seven different types of AI and machine learning and 52% plan on increasing the adoption this year. And I, that, that, that astounded me, seven different uses of AI. But I suppose if you look at the five key components that we, that, that, that we mentioned, the subsets within that, it's probably quite easy to, to achieve that number. The build on that though is, is that high performance marketing teams invest in AI and machine learning to improve their customer segmentation so that they can focus on personalization and uh, improving individual customer experience. Point four, marketers use AI-based demand sensing to better predict their unique buying patterns across geographies and geographic regions, and, and, and most importantly, to, to alleviate 
stockouts and back orders. And again, when we spoke about our entrepreneurs uh, a few weeks ago, that is one of the critical things that can either make or break a business, particularly when you're in your early stages of startup. Combining all of the data sources, including your customer sentiment analysis, it's definitely impossible to improve the demand sensing and demand forecast accuracy for your brand, uh, in particularly in geographic regions, as we mentioned. Point five is an interesting one, and, and you'll you'll uh, um, align with this based on the fact that we spoke about Disney some two weeks ago. Disney yeah. is applying AI modeling techniques, including machine learning algorithms, to fine-tune and optimize their media mix models. So they focused on gaining new insights into the media mix model by aggregating data from across the organization, including their partners, and then preparing the model data and transforming it for use in in achieving budget and media mix optimization. You can, obviously, we saw what, what the media entertainment division did for the turnaround of Disney during COVID. Point six, 41% of marketers say that AI and machine learning makes the greatest contribution to accelerating the revenue growth and improving their performance. And again, 41% of marketers say that they're getting more actionable insights from their marketing data and 38 says that they're actually creating more personalized consumer experiences at scale. Point seven, a brand you can relate to well again is Starbucks. Starbucks sets a goal of being the world's most personalized brand by relying on predictive analysis and machine learning to create real-time personalized experiences. They created a real-time engine that was able to integrate with a customer's account information, their mobile app, um, their customer preferences, further third-party data and contextual data, and through the, the workings and, and analysis of that, they're able to increase the user interaction and, and user predictive analytics through AI by 150%, which saw three times improvement per customer's net incremental revenue, Kevin. That's substantial. Yeah. Point eight is, is getting personalization at scale. Starts with that unified custard data platform, that can use machine learning to discover new customer data insights and then get into the growth pattern over time. McKinsey predicts that personalization at scale will create 1.7 trillion to $3 trillion in new value for brands over the next period. Point nine, campaign management, mobile app technology, testing uh, uh, um, are, are key for leading the plans for B2C companies, personalization technologies. Here's, here's where, where, where the low figure is. Only 19% of enterprises have adopted AI machine learning for B2C personalization today. And, and a recent study by Forrester revealed that 55% of organizations believe that technology limitations inhibit their ability to execute their, their personal strategies. So there's going to be a need for big tech intervention in organizations to be able to step into the future and be effective around the, the implementation of AI. And finally, point 10, successful AI-driven personalization strategies deliver results way beyond marketing. They deliver strong results across the organization, including lifting sales revenue, net promoter scores, and customer retention rates. And, you know, the NPS scores is, is a vitally important component in establishing the understanding for brand growth. So when personalizing at scale is done right, the enterprise can achieve a net 5.63% increase in sales revenue given. That's phenomenal. It can also achieve 10.26 increase in order frequency, uplifts in average order value, and a 13.25% improvement in cross-sale, upsell opportunities. So yeah, the benefits there are absolutely clear. 
on on how marketing can drive greater customer satisfaction um, through the adaptation and adoption of AI. So it's obvious to see the industry is currently benefiting from it, but definitely it's going to be on the up in a very short period of time. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, my point. I think that what's important to note here, Craig, as well, is or from just from hearing everything you're sharing with us is um, it's a reality. It's there, yes. you know, and the quicker we get on board with with claiming it and learning and and, and inviting it to to how we do what we do, um, the quicker we're going to the, the further we're going to get with it, because I think yeah. that that fear of, well, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. And that's not going to be useful. Because you can see there's there's so many trends, that, as you mentioned, and so many um, instances and impacts that it's already having. Uh, we might as well get on board with this. Yeah, well, if, you, if you just look at the McKinsey thing again, you know, $1.7 trillion to $3, $3 trillion of value, new value for brands. And, and when, you, when you only have 32% of brands in the B2C space uh, um, adopting the methodology, gosh, just imagine... When, when more brand-led organizations are, are, are driving their business on the back of, of AI, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's, we're, we're in for uh, some interesting times in the future. I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Craig, so what are the key takeaways for today's show? Okay. So, Kevin, I want to close by, by covering a few examples of what AR tech is and how it's used in the world today. Um, referencing the, the article, What is Artificial, is published on, on Tech Target site. Um, it was written by Ed Burns, the exec editor, by Nicole Lekowski, the senior news director, and by Linda Tucci, the editor at large strategic initiatives. And from the article, we learn how AI is incorporated into a variety of different technologies. Um, and it covers six key examples as follows. So in automation, when paired with AI technologies, Automation tools can expand the volume and types of tasks performed, like robotic process automation, um, software automation in repetitive tasks, and rules-based uh, data process, um, which is generally done by humans. In machine learning, which is known as the science of getting a computer to act without programming, as we spoke about earlier, this is a very simple term that can be thought of as the automation of predictive analysis. And there are three types of, of, of predictive analysis that come through the machine learning algorithms, Kevin. The first is supervised learning, and that's where data sets are labeled so that the, the, the learning can see patterns and detect um, those patterns and, and how to use and label new data sets. The, the second is unsupervised learning, where the data sets aren't labeled or sorted according to any similarities of, of, of difference. So a lot more... Uh, um, work required in, in determining some structure behind that. And then the third is, is reinforcement learning where data sets aren't labeled, but after performing an action, the actual or several actions, the, the AI system can actually interpret that and start producing feedback based on, on its learnings. The third point is machine vision. It's a technology that gives the machine ability to see, capture and analyze visual information using a camera. So this is not just data in terms of bits and bytes going in and, uh, you know, through a keyboard, but also analog to digital conversions with digital signal processing. Interesting concept that. And it's often compared to, to human eyesight, but actually the machine's vision isn't bound by biology, so it can be programmed uh, through walls actually as well. 
Natural language processing, NLP, you know, you and I talk about this often, which is the process of human language uh, by a computer program. One of the older and best known applications or examples is, is spam detection, which looks at the subject line and, and text of an email and, and header and decides if it's junk. Maybe we should get a bit more of that into the Facebook world. Um, robotics, uh, it's the field of engineering, which focuses on the design and manufacture of robots, which are often used to perform the tasks that are more difficult for humans or to perform um, something more consistently than human is able to do, for instance, in the assembly line of automotive production, as we spoke about in, in the beginning of this section. Um, and then self-drive cars, or autonomous vehicles that, that use a combination of computer vision, image recognition, and deep learning to, to build that automated skill at piloting a vehicle while staying in a given lane and avoiding unexpected uh, obstructions, such as pedestrians, as we spoke about earlier as well. So yeah, in closing from my side, Kevin, I think it's worth remembering that AI has multiple applications and can be found in healthcare, can be found in business, can be found in education, most definitely in finance and banking. We spoke about in law, absolutely in manufacturing, uh, in transportation, and very much in, in security based on, on, on the conversation we've just had. And in closing, the core here is, is absolutely in media and marketing industry as well. Fantastic. Great. Uh, as always, very fascinating. And uh, I'm loving that we that we could have this conversation. It's uh, some of the information you shared today is really, really, really fascinating. Thank you for that. And uh, finally, what's lined up for next week's podcast? Craig? Yeah, I want to stay on, on, on this topic and actually now move into what what's, you know, addressing the topic of bots and how bots are actually starting to innovate in the retail sector and drive a lot more retail engagement so yeah that's that's what we're in for next week fantastic guys if you want to catch the lunch the marketing segment happens every thursday on ebizradio.com proudly supported by hollard insurance hashtag big ads for small businesses and uh, craig thanks for the chat i'll see you next week thank you very much kevin cheers for now